0: to write an anti-Islamic book.
1: After high school, I went to university and I did comparative religion. And a remarkable thing, I think, was that the first day of me going to college was uh, September 11, 2001. Already thought, okay, these Muslim guys are kind of crazy and this religion isn't the truth. Then a few years later was this guy in the Netherlands called Theo van Gogh, Theo van Gogh. He was a famous filmmaker and he was killed in the street. He was shot and they tried to slit his throat and they put a knife in his stomach with a letter on it for another girl, Ayan Hirshi Ali. And it was it said, you are next. So it strengthened my anti Islam feelings in such a way that I thought, well, I have to become politically active to do something and stop this evil or harming our country. You started politics because of Islam. Yeah, and that really had to do with Islam. That was the reason that I wanted to write a book to explain to people why Islam was a danger for the world. When I was writing my book, like I said earlier, the questions, the doubts I had about Christianity popped up again. And that was about truth, of course, because I was a believing Christian guy. And yeah, the Christian questions I had in the end were answered in an Islamic way. Because of course, when I started writing Book. A lot of people think that it was an, a political book, but it wasn't so much a political book. It was a religious book because I wanted to show people why Islam was a danger as a religion. And I wrote it from a Christian perspective. So in the beginning, I made a comparison between the Christian concept of God and the Islamic concept. So I start comparing it. But because I had these doubts about the Trinity and I saw Tawhid, eh, the oneness of God in Islam, I thought, yeah, it sounds a little bit <laughs> more logical. And then I thought to myself, well, I reread the Bible to see it, to refresh myself and say, okay, why isn't the concept of Islam, the Tawheed concept, isn't the Christian concept? But when I was reading the Old Testament and I saw what the Old Testament prophet said, it was one God, one God, one God. And then I thought, okay, I'll look only at the words of Jesus Christ in the New Testament. And then there's this story in the New Testament that where a guy comes to Jesus and he asks him, what is the most important thing? in life? How can I gain paradise? And he says, there are two things. He says, here, O Israel, here, your God is one. Treat your neighbor as you want to be treated yourself. So I thought, well, even Jesus Christ says, here, O Israel, your God is one. So I thought, well, this whole Muslim concept of God sounds more logical. And it's the same concept that I find in the Old and the New Testament. And I know Christianity as a religion teaches something else, but it isn't the concept of God that I find in the Bible. So after weeks and weeks of study, reading, rereading all kinds of books, I thought to myself, okay, perhaps this oneness of God is something that is true. So that's how it started. What resources did you use while doing your research? Because I was kind of shocked, I started writing to several authorities on these religious matters. And one of the guys that I wrote to was Sheikh Abdul Hakim Murad, and he's a professor from Cambridge University. But in a way, it was kind of strange, of course, because I was a politician back then still. I was writing an anti-Islam book with an anti-Islam purpose. And I'm asking this Muslim professor from another country, can you help me? So I told him, I'm writing a book. I have a lot of questions. So I I was very plain why I thought, why is Islam promoting terrorism? Why is anti-woman? Why is anti-Christian, anti-whatever? After, I think, six weeks, he sent me a a very extensive email. And he started explaining, directly answered a lot of my questions. But he also told me, you have to read this article, read this book, read that book, ask this person. So he was very extensive in his way of explaining. But in the end, after I read all these books and articles and make com- a comparison between profits from the Old Testament with Muhammad, peace and blessings be upon him, I had no arguments anymore to say they are prophets and he is not. And I thought to myself, well, if I accept Moses on these grounds and I cannot accept the prophet, then there is something else. So I said, why don't I think he is a prophet? And I thought, oh, perhaps because he had many wives. But then again, when you look at Solomon or you look at King David, Abraham, there are a lot of people in the Old Testament that had more wives. And when you look at even outside of the religious books culturally in Europe in in Africa, Asia everywhere there were men with several wives uh, for several reasons so I thought to myself well that cannot be a reason either so one by one all these reasons fell and in the end I thought well I have to say all of them are not prophets but I I didn't believe that because I thought well the things they did they said the miracles that happened etc they were confirmed in what they said and what they did so they are and then I said well then I have to accept that Prophet Muhammad perhaps is a prophet too so I was doubting it. So first I thought, well, it's the most evil person I know because of the history. Then I said, well, perhaps it's not that evil, but he's not a prophet. And in the end, I started doubting, perhaps he is a prophet. Yeah, that took, of course, me reading a lot of books again. And the one thing that I think was very wise of Abdul Hakim Murad to say was, he said, well, the books you read about with the anti-Islam arguments are written by non-Muslims. He said, if you want to know more about Christianity, you don't read books from atheists. You start reading the books from the Christians. Why do they believe this? What are the arguments? So that you have to do the same with Islam. So start reading Islamic books from Islamic teachers, from Islamic scholars, etc. And then you can see if you compare the books on the same topic of people who are Muslim and wrote those books and non muslim you can see where they took the wrong turn, where they translated words in the wrong way, sometimes perhaps even not on purpose, but just because they didn't know where things are added, where things left out of it. So and in the end, you see there is this other religion almost created because of all these things. And that's what I did, and that's what I also did with The Life of the Prophet, because I read a book from Martin Lynx, The Life of the Prophet, based on the earliest source of Muhammad. And it was written, of course, by a convert. And his way of reasoning, his way of telling, his way of writing, appealed to me, because it's culturally the same thing. How do I approach a certain topic, etc.? And it was the first time that I saw him not so much as a warlord, because that's the picture I had in my mind, but I saw him as a father, and I saw him as a friend and a teacher, and so much more and so yeah I saw the person and his character and I said well I can say a lot but I cannot say that this is not a good man so his character persuaded me to read more and to want to know more the story about Hint, there was something that, like a switch, like I had to change. And it was because I thought Hint was the wife of one of the enemies, Abu Sufyan. And in a way, they gave money to kill Hamza, the favorite uncle of the prophet. And that was what happened on the battlefield. He got killed. They even paraded with his ears and cut off his nose and horrible stuff. So the prophet was deeply sad, of course, of what happened. And years and years later, he became powerful. He came in power in Mecca. And then there was Hint. And I was reading this book and I thought, Okay, now she gets crucified or her head gets cut off or something like that. But he said, well, I cannot look at her right now, but everybody is forgiven. And if you want to stay here and live among the Muslims, it's possible if you don't want that, you can go. But bloodshedding is over now. And I thought to myself that she was forgiven. If you can forgive someone who kills a relative, especially a favorite uncle of you, even starts parading with parts of his body to show other people that she humiliates you and whatever you stand for, that means you have such a great character Character. it's very special it's, it's it's something you don't see and that's what he did so I thought to myself well it was a really special guy and uh, when I thought that I thought well I have these arguments for him being a prophet I see his character I see the way he treated other people I see how he treated his enemies I think he is a prophet but then I thought to myself whoa that's horrible because I already accepted this oneness of God and now I say he is a prophet if I say there is only one God and Muhammad is his prophet it's almost Shahada <laughs> so I thought to myself okay let's Let's close the books. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> this is going in the wrong direction. And of course, I wasn't that anti-Islam anymore because of what I read, or what I saw and what I experienced. What I tell you now, it sounds a little like a fairy tale, but it really happened. In the end, there were all these books at the table. And when I had this feeling of, yeah, okay, this is Shahada in a way, I said, well, I put all the books away and I put uh, the books on the highest shelf. But there were so many books that a lot of books fell off the shelf. And one of the books that fell off the shelf was the Quran. And when I picked it up, my hand was on a page with surah 22, I had 46. And it says, it's not the eyes that are blind, but the hearts. And I thought to myself, that really is my problem because it wasn't the eyes I, I really could see what i written down myself nobody forced me to write this book nobody said you have to write this or that I started writing myself and I could see it with my own eyes but I still couldn't accept the fact that I said he is a prophet there is this one God I just couldn't so it wasn't my eyes that were blind but it was really my heart I couldn't accept it I think my nafs or, my nefs or whatever my ego I, I couldn't accept it and I said well God I don't care if it's the God from the Bible or the Quran, give me a sign or something so that I 100% sure know this is the way. And I went to bed, but when I woke up, I felt very secure in myself. I really felt very secure. I've never been more secure about anything else. The whole anxiety or the whole doubting issue disappeared like, like snow for the sun. And I thought to myself, well, I think I'm a Muslim. Well, and then of course I had to tell other people. What was the reaction of the people around you when you became Muslim? Most of them were very negative, of course. For a lot of people, especially some uncles and aunts, it was kind of a shock. They heard it when it was on the news. I told my mother and my mother started crying. And my wife was pretty open. Yeah, she was very cool about it. How did you feel when you made your first Salah? It's, of course, a beautiful moment, but very strange as well. Because as a Christian, you're not used to pray like that. You pray with your hands together, and perhaps on your knees in front of your bed or something. But I think it's very beautiful that you really prostrate. So you really bow down in the deepest way for your Lord. So that's a very humbling, beautiful thing, I think. And that, yeah, it made me feel very happy. What would you like to say as your final comments? I became much more happy after I became Muslim. I would like to invite everybody to become Muslim. Just because it brings peace to your soul and peace to your heart. It is the truth, it resonates with heart and soul. Do you ever get worried
0: that your child may click on the wrong video online? Do you wish there was a safe channel for your peace of mind? Well, there is. The number one rated Muslim kids channel in the world, One for Kids TV, is here to solve all these issues. The channel has no advertisements and is safe for your children to browse and watch their favorite videos. With a wide selection of cartoons, songs, educational videos and much more, your children will not only stay entertained, but also learn so much about their deen. You can listen to songs while your device is switched off and you can download videos to watch them offline. One for Kids TV is 100% run and owned by Muslims, which means the small amount you pay for your subscription is a continuous charity for you, as all the funds raised go towards the production of new cartoons and educational films for your children. The One for Kids TV app is now available on Apple devices, Apple TV, Android devices, Android TV, Amazon Fire TV, and Roku, so you can watch on most devices and smart TVs. Download now for a free 14-day trial.